This show is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to contribute as little as $1 a month to help fund this podcast, please visit our website at www.lemmelistenpodcast.com and click on the Patreon logo. If you can't, or just don't want to, no biggie. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a hoary old gem. I use the word hoary again. We take a classic film, and uh, we give it a dusting. We give it a little polishing up. Take a look at it. Hold it up to the sunlight. uh, Lick it. (laughs) I don't know the other things that I've seen people in movies do to test the authenticity of something. And we see if that classic... Uh, lives up to the hype, or if it's um, like a poop, like an old cinematic poop, we give it a whiff and see, well, you know what? It doesn't smell nearly as bad as everyone says. My metaphors have gone off the rails, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it's and, like an improv. You just follow it wherever it goes. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's going to bad places, Steve. Um, <laughs> this week... Uh, in honor of Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. we are going to take a look at a classic movie that is uh, just like Thanksgiving, about two cultures coming together, and one of those cultures trying to obliterate the other. <laughs> That's what Thanksgiving is about, right? Sound familiar? <laughs> so break out your smallpox blankets, snuggle up, grab a leg of turkey and uh, some cranberry sauce and some stuffing. Do you, you eat traditional Thanksgiving food at Thanksgiving, right? You don't mix it up with weird... Crap, no, no, yeah. we're all pretty white. Okay, great. <laughs> we don't stray too far. We are going to review Independence Day. Mm-hmm. That holiday That's right, classic. it's our Independence Day Thanksgiving special. Because, hey, there wouldn't have been an Independence Day if there hadn't been a Thanksgiving first. Oh, everything's connected. Exactly. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, we... we, we yeah, see, that's why we're doing this movie. That was the plan <laughs> all along, right? At Thanksgiving time. And weirdly, this is a really good Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> In a weird way, because, this is a really good Thanksgiving movie. Because you can you can watch it with your family and, you know, pick out the racists and the jingoists. <laughs> okay, we need to do uh, the thing where I talk about who made it and what and how much money it made. Ready? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, great. Uh, Independence Day was directed by Roland Emmerich, produced by Dean Devlin, written by Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, and it stars Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, Mary McDonald, Judge Hirsch, Margaret Collin, Randy Quaid, Robert Loggia, James Rebhorn, Harvey Firestein, Vivica and Vivica A. Fox, and a whole bunch of other people. Uh, music by David Arnold. Cinematography by Carl Walter Lindenlaub. I think I'm saying that right. Close enough for me. Good. Edited by David Brenner. Uh, It was uh, produced by Centropolis Entertainment, distributed by 20th Century Fox. And it was released on July 2nd, 1996. It's 145 minutes long. I remember because I kept glancing at how much time was left because yeah. I was watching it right before we recorded this, and I was like, I've got to fast forward through some of this part so that I have memorized so that I can, <laughs> I can be ready for this review. 
Um, the budget was $75 million. And the box office totals were $817.4 million. Gadzooks. So it was kind of popular. Popular enough for a sequel? Hmm. Sure. 20 years later. <laughs> 20 years later. One of the things that I actually respected about this movie was that there wasn't a sequel, and then they had to go fuck that up, didn't they? <laughs> we are expecting an Independence Day 2 called Independence Day Resurgence. I think it's supposed to come out next year or something. Yeah, I think they're shooting it if now. They can, yeah, if they can find the $45 quadrillion that Will Smith is demanding <laughs> to be in this movie. But... Uh, uh yeah I I when how old were you when you saw this were you like ten uh, I was 13? I was sixteen five you were sixteen yeah okay so it was a date movie right sure we'll go with that yeah see Steve, yeah. Steve I had, dated I had girlfriends when I was sixteen what are you talking about of course I did yeah totally they're all in Canada but I had girlfriends <laughs> I <laughs> I was twenty seven I went to go see this movie uh and it was I remember all the hype and the Super Bowl ad where you know and the and the iconic uh uh b- congress building the capitol the blowing capital? up <laughs> you know that place where all the capitol people go to make the law things that we follow you did not pay attention to schoolhouse rock at all did you i did i did oh. I, that's what happens when you only pay attention to schoolhouse rock <laughs> i never told rock. me what the building was called <laughs> when i watched c-span i was completely expecting all the congress congressmen and senators to sing <laughs> yeah, that's a, it was a bitter disappointment for me, too. Okay, so if you have not seen Independence Day, which means that you are probably an alien yourself, <laughs> and you this whole movie thing, you're like listening to our podcast trying to figure out what movies are, uh, we're going <laughs> to warn you, spoilers, for this movie that is almost 20 years old. You ready, Steve? I am so ready. Okay. Now we will recap Independence Day. Don't Steve, don't. take it away. Okay. Well, okay, so it's July 2nd, right? No. And, uh, well, It's the, almost Thanksgiving, In the dude. movie. No, in the movie, in the movie. Oh, right, right. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm transporting myself into the movie. You okay, know, you I'm need there. to have, because for a big, you know, big budget adventure film like this, you need to have an iconic opening shot. So they went with the July 2nd title card. They said that's Oh, what yeah, and the explodey graphic thing yeah, oh, where yeah. they swoop in and then they blow up. At least the credits didn't take forever. I do appreciate that. That's it, true. It was like words, 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 movie. I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, so it's July 2nd and oh, we're on the moon and oh, the, moon. Hey. the moon's cool. People like the moon. And we see like the plaque that they, that the Apollo 11 astronauts left on the moon signed yeah, by Richard Nixon. We get Nixon. overdubbing too. We get overdubbing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 That's right. There is overdubbing. Just in case we're not sure where we are and can read. <laughs> <laughs> like, where are they? <laughs> it's the moon. Someone should have just come on and said, it's the moon. <laughs> or just in big letters, the moon. <laughs> Hi, folks. This is the moon behind me. This is where our story is going to begin. Let's watch. <laughs> yeah. So um, so we're on the moon, and we're like at the Apollo 11 landing site. There's the lower half of the lunar module and all that stuff, the yeah. flag. And mm-hmm. then, ooh, all of a sudden, the the dirt starts to get stirred up a little, which I don't think would actually happen because the moon doesn't have an atmosphere. Yeah, the but whole whatever, moon starts to shake. The moon starts to shake, and a big shadow 
comes over the moon. There's a big giant thing that we don't yeah. see yet, but it's, it's it's the first big giant scientific thing that has me puzzled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Want to guess what that is, Steve? What is it? Okay, it's established later on by scientist-type guys or military-type guys, I can't remember which one, that this big giant thing that's throwing a shadow on the moon is a spaceship. Mm-hmm. And this spaceship is roughly one-quarter the size of the moon, right? Oh, yeah. It's big. Um, yeah, and then it, it, it slows down and stops right next to Earth, right? Yeah, right. So anybody who could step outside and has the power of sight would be able to look up and say, what the fuck is that giant thing up in the sky? That's true. Yeah, you're right. But no one apparently did that. Nobody can see it. Because we have the people who discover it are the United Colors of Benetton SETI Lab, where um, <laughs> a That's right. multi-ethnic ethnic group of people whose job it is to de- detect alien signals they hear an alien signal right yeah that's another weird scientific thing like they hear the signal being broadcast from the ship before anybody sees the ship like uh, something that humongous flying straight toward earth would probably be to- noticed toward earth people would have gone holy shit amateur astronomers oh, yeah. a kid with binoculars not even binoculars you could probably see it with the unaided eye it would be so large but where this is different science, alternate dimension. Yeah, Earth, I guess. it's it's you movie science. Not even at nighttime could they see it. <laughs> no, no, nope. <laughs> so, um, the SETI people they are they're quirky and they have little scenes. They're like, oh, goody, we never see them again after the scene where they discover the signal. Nope, Be- because we go immediately to. Washington? Military Yeah, guys. the military guys are like, wait, oh, Robert Lozier. Oh, yeah, Robert Lozier. I'm Robert General Lozier. Tell Robert... me what's going on. <laughs> and General Robert Lozier has gotten this thing where Seti's kind of like, we don't know what it is. And and Seti doesn't know what it is. Should we tell the president? <laughs> or something along those <laughs> yeah, lines? Yeah, pretty much. Well, actually, don't they, 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 they tell the Secretary of Defense first, which seems kind of weird. It's like... Is he the Secretary of Defense or the Secretary of Weasels? Yeah, that's because true. he's cast as a weasel. Yeah, that, this would be the James Rebhorn character. Yeah, the guy who Poor he's guy. he's that guy who just he thinks he can keep secrets, and then he you know people find out, and he's like, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I knew I knew the whole time. I should have said something, I guess. <sighs> and we do a lot of hopscotching around at the very beginning of the scene of the, of the movie, right? Because we go from that. To uh, the president, <laughs> the, the cap pres- president, nice guy. Yes, yes, the captivating, um, charismatic young president. Yeah, and his chief of staff. Mm-hmm. Okay, chief of staff. Yeah. that's Mary McDonnell. Mary, no, that's Margaret Colin. Mary, um, oh, no, Mary no, McDonnell no, was his right. wife. Oh, wait, that's right. Okay, Mar- Margaret Colin. And um, she's kind of like, hey, you're losing popularity. And, oh, here's a whole bunch of other backstory about yeah. you. When, when you were running and you're a war hero and you fly fighter jets, which will become important later on. <laughs> she's the exposition czar in this administration. <laughs> but we established that uh, the president loves his wife, who's off on a trip mm-hmm. somewhere. And uh, he's got a little daughter. 
And uh, then someone calls him and says, Hey, guess what, Mr. President? Um, There's a big spaceship or something. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and what? We, yeah, and then we cut to what? We cut to... Because uh, they jump around so much. We jump around to submarines and... <laughs> Yeah, is yeah. There, there's a there's like three or four different scenes of sort of different sets of characters finding out yeah, about the spaceship. Establishing characters, yeah. Is that when we we jumped at Jeff Goldblum? Yeah, it's either it's either Goldblum or or Randy Quaid, one of those two. Let's jump to Goldblum yeah. first because I, yeah, let's Randy put off, we'll put off Randy Quaid as long as possible. So we Jeff jumped to Jeff Goldblum, and he's like an MIT graduate, and um, <laughs> who works smart. for a cable he, company. <laughs> he's probably the very first sexy nerd character in movie history, I would think. Yeah, I, I can't think of there being it unless you count his performance as uh, Brundle in The Fly. Yeah, but he weren't he wasn't sexy for that whole movie though, was he? Okay, for about fifteen minutes he was sexy, he was, yeah. and then he got really gross. Until he got gross, okay. he started falling apart. <laughs> but in this movie, he's kind of the 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 first sexy nerd. And um, he's playing chess with his dad, played by Judd Hirsch, who um, I like Judd Hirsch. I like I oh, like the actor. Very much. Um, I feel kind of bad for him mm. in this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I think the character development they gave him is, you're an old Jewish man. Okay, do, is there anything? No, you're just just play that, please. <laughs> Be the most stereotypical old Jewish guy ever. Old New York Jewish person that you can be. And he's like, okay. We, we want you to make this a character that Woody Allen would blush at. Yeah. But what's important <laughs> is not only do we establish that Jeff Goldblum is a nerd, but he's also one of these save the planet type people right. with the recycling and riding your bike through the office, even though people are running around all over the place and the potential of causing harm is probably pretty high but i mean he works for a cable company right yeah and there's doings transpiring because the the the, <laughs> the, the cable companies i having think that's trouble. how harvey firestein said it david <laughs> there's doings transpiring what are we gonna do david <laughs> harvey firestein plays one of his associates who's like um the cable's wonky and, and David's like, just the point it at a different satellite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we name drop the X-Files. Yeah, that's right. Uh, because it's popular, I guess, at the time. Yeah. And then David is going to investigate why the satellite signal is all cuckoo crazy. And then we cut to uh, trailer park people with trailer park problems. <laughs> and that would be uh, these kids. And uh, this kid is in a trailer, literally in an RV. They live in an RV, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this guy rides up in a truck, and he's like, hey, Miguel, um, your dad better spray my crops, um, because if he doesn't, I'm going to go somewhere else. We don't know what that means yet, but we find out real quick, because Miguel drives from the desert, where the trailer park is, to a green belt, <laughs> <laughs> where there's crops all of a sudden. And we meet Randy Quaid, and he's a drunk pilot. He flies a, a biplane, and he, he cropped us the wrong field. <laughs> and uh, he's drunk, and there's funny things in there, I guess. Sure. Right? I guess, according to Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich. If you if you find the uh, misfortune of a obviously broken, mentally unstable man, 
<laughs> funny yay <laughs> if you find that sort of thing inherently hilarious as the filmmakers do <laughs> right but we can't spend too much time on that because uh oh spaghettios <laughs> the big ship has started birthing puppies all over the uh -oh. place and other littler ships and by littler i mean these littler ships are only you know they're only 15 miles across yeah. and they're coming into the atmosphere all over the place and for some reason they're disguised as Okay, I need I need to understand this. They enter Earth's atmosphere and they're covered in smoke and fire or something. Smoke yeah. and light. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like they're on Why? fire, yeah. <laughs> Why are they doing that? It's not like they're like, Hey, let's uh let's trick the humans, we'll slip into the atmosphere, we'll disguise ourselves as uh smoke and light. Yeah, no one will notice that, yeah. right? <laughs> oh the clouds are on fire. Huh. Anyway, back to what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, it is a little weird. I mean, I guess maybe the... the, the they did it for the later reveal, I yeah. think. And it's, I guess it, we're supposed to think that it's some kind of a natural phenomenon, like it's just friction in the atmosphere from something that big moving, but I don't think that is what would happen. Mm -mm. <laughs> mm -mm. It'd just be a lot of lightning yeah. coming off it. It'd be a lot of lightning. Um, but uh, yeah, these things are coming down and, and more military guys poop their pants and Robert Loja, Robert Loja's all over the place. <laughs> Stop pooping your pants. Get it together. He's like, Hey, Mr. President, we've dispatched a ship, a plane off the West coast to take a look at one of these things. What happened to it? I don't know. It just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> they were talking and then one of them yelled, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. And then nothing. And the president's should, like, should, maybe well, we sure should panic can. now. No. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't evacuate the people. Okay, Mr. That president. That scene is, yeah, that scene is in there where they dispatch a ship, uh, a plane out to intercept it. And the plane gets uh, burned up real good. And everyone in the, the government is kind of like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> Never heard back from them. They don't know where they went. And was, well, the last transmission was them screaming. So I don't, I, don't, should, I guess they're fine. Should we inform the public of anything? Nah, it's fairly obvious that these objects are moving to large population centers. Um, hmm. I'm sure everything will be fine. And so everyone's freaking out. And there's shots of people seeing these big cloudy fire, fire things heading towards the big cities and lots of people staring and um, Jeff Goldblum hasn't been noticing this because he's been researching why the satellites have been disrupted and uh, he figures it out and he's like hey I figured out hey I figured out how, what's wrong why aren't you guys looking at me because I'm so super smart and Harvey Firestein's like we've been watching the world end on television <laughs> David, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you work for the cable company, David. Why aren't you watching television? <laughs> and so then David goes, oh, uh-oh. And then he looks down at his work and he's like, uh-oh. And then everyone else is running to the bomb shelter and um, he runs up to the roof because he wants to see the thing, the big thing. And that's when... You know, the the big ship unzips its cloud dress <laughs> and lets that fall to the floor. And, oh, no, it's a big ship. Surprise. Are you surprised I, it was a big ship? I mean, I, I saw the Super Bowl ad, so no, but... <laughs> <laughs> but 
Well, and not only that, <laughs> now, did, did, not only I mean, we we there was there was a shot from space of the little ships breaking off, right? Mm-hmm, so we know mm-hmm. that these things in the clouds are ships. So the reveal mm-hmm. isn't even really a reveal. It's like, hey, the audience knows more than the characters. That's always a great Yay. place to get to in a movie. So now that we're about twenty five minutes into the film, uh, we finally get to the Will Smith character. Yeah, and uh, he's living in a house with uh, a nice uh, girl named. Uh, what's her name? Oh, as as played by Vivica A. Fox. <laughs> yeah, Vivica Fox, and uh, the kid that won the cutest child in movies award for 1996. <laughs> yes, he outcutes. Okay, the president has a little daughter girl. Um, but man, this kid outcutes that 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 kid is outcuting circles around the other oh, one. Oh yeah, there is no need to even have the little daughter girl. You could have gotten rid of her easy. She's just yeah. had this kid. Yeah, exactly. Hey, the uh, but, the Vivek A. Fox character's name is Jasmine, by the way. Thank you, Jasmine. And uh, he's uh, they. There's a bunch of foo about them not knowing about the spaceship. Yeah, and then they find out about the spaceship. And then it turns out, oh, Will Smith is a marine a fighter pilot, and he's got to go back to the base. And hey, why don't you pack up your stuff and come back to the base? And she's like, okay, but I'm going to go to work first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go drive to the place that I work that is directly underneath that spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure and, that's you know, the best put thing. In, put, put in some work, because that's what you do right before the world's about to end. Um, and what kind of job does she have, Steve? She's a dancer, Jason. She's a dancer. That's not what they say in the movie. <laughs> they say she's a stripper. She's, a, she's an exotic dancer. Now, I'm going to side with dancer because she happens to work at one of those places where they expect the strippers to not take their clothes off while they're dancing. Right. Because they show her dancing, she's got all her clothes on, and then she comes off the stage and she still has her clothes on. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. A strip club. I, I, don't, I don't think the proprietor understood the concept, really. <laughs> yeah, a strip club's one of them places where girls dance around, and then they leave, right? <laughs> you think the girls should do what? That's disgusting. That's, no, this is a public I place. I put on an art show. These girls are doing art. Do you want to turn it into something creepy? <laughs> this is Robert Loja. Tell him to take their clothes off. <laughs> I'm telling you to take their clothes off. <laughs> um. So then, what happens? She goes to work. Yeah. He he goes back to the base. Right, and and uh, meets up with all the other marine shooty yeah, pilot guys, including his bestest friend in the world, Harry Connick Jr. Right, who where nothing impacts him emotionally. <laughs> I'm fairly certain this guy is in a good mood, even when he's seeing the world being destroyed all around him. <laughs> he keeps on the sunny side. Yeah, but we also get some backstory for Will, Will Smith's character. He wants to be a uh, NASA pilot. Right? He wants to be an astronaut. He wants to be an astronaut. He wants to go into the spacey place. And it just so happens he gets his thanks but no thanks letter from NASA on this very day. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently in the letter it said, no, you're dating a stripper, so we're not going to do it. Which I'm fairly <laughs> certain isn't one of the requirements. I don't think it says you can't be dating a stripper yeah. if you want to be an astronaut. 
he, unless they revised it. I don't know. He's a he's a brilliant, fearless pilot who also happens to be incredibly likable and charismatic. We we have no place for him in our astronaut yeah, program. Why would you want him in the astronaut program? <laughs> Uh, so then we cut to, uh, oh, New York is tearing itself apart. Everyone's going cuckoo crazy, trying to get out of the city, and Jeff Goldblum, uh, tells Harvey Firestein to leave. You need to go, because, uh, these aliens are going to attack because this signal is a countdown, and, um, at the end of the countdown, they're pro- they're going to attack. And Harvey Firestein didn't say, how do you know at the end of the countdown they just don't all... Do a message of peace. <laughs> like a broadcast signal. No, it's an attack. Believe me. I, I Yeah. And he's like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to panic. I'm going to make a lawyer joke first. Yeah. I'm going to make a toned down lawyer joke so we can still keep our PG rating. <laughs> There's a line in there in which he says, uh, I got to call my mother. I got to call who? I think maybe his therapist. Something my like therapist, that. I gotta call my, and then he says I gotta call my lawyer, right? Yeah, which is just this joke is so lazy. It's not a very good <laughs> setup for yeah. No, who says I gotta call my lawyer in the in the idea that there's gonna be an alien attack? What is the lawyer gonna do? Know. Sue the aliens? <laughs> that's why. See, that's why Jeff Goldblum's character should have pressed him on this a little. Uh, why? Why, <laughs> yeah, why were you stopped? going to call your uh, call your lawyer? Oh, because uh, I don't. I, if they damage any of my property, I don't want. I wanted some restitution my way. I don't think my car insurance covers aliens. <laughs> and then he has a line there where he says, "Ah, oh, forget my lawyer," which is an obvious dub because you know he said the funnier thing, he, which was "fuck my he lawyer." Didn't say forget. <laughs> nope. So now. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, cable scientist guy, um, rides his bike to his dad's house, who and his dad nearly blows his brains out with a shotgun. And he says, hey, dad, we're leaving. We got to go to Washington to tell. Okay, here's one of the things about this movie. Everybody knows everybody. <laughs> yeah, it it just so happens. That the, the, the yeah, go the, ahead, go go for it, Steve. And a, one of those weird coincidences that makes this movie possible, really. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the president's chief of staff, the expositions are. She just so happens to be the ex-wife of our of, of our sexy nerd guy. David. Yeah, that's right. I would have loved it because there's, this movie has so many coincidences. Is that when they finally meet the aliens face to face? The alien instead goes, David? <laughs> yes. Yes. I haven't seen you in years. Hey, you live on this planet? <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of already happens with the with the Randy Quaid character, because yeah. now we go back to the Randy Quaid character, and he's getting drunk in a diner, and some guys are making fun of him. Yeah. Because as it turns out, the Randy Quaid character... Um, was says he was abducted by aliens. So, in a weird coincidence, yeah, 
He does know the alien. <laughs> that, that diner scene is also where we learned that the filmmakers not only consider traumatized veterans to be inherently funny. Oh, yeah, they, that's true. They also consider, apparently, sexual abuse to be inherently funny. <laughs> because one of the one of the other guys in the diner, does. It's not he doesn't even make a joke. Everybody laughs at it like it's a joke. But all he says yeah. was, hey, did them aliens do any sexual things to you? And everybody cracks up like he just zinged him. so funny. We think it's funny that aliens took you against your will and then sexually assaulted you. <laughs> Actually, I need some alone time thinking about it. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> so, then we... Uh, uh, then the, Yeah, and then the, the aliens show up and Randy Quaid goes, Oh, crap, my friends are back. And... <laughs> Then Jeff Goldblum and his dad drive all the way to Washington, D.C. from New York. Yeah, in like 20 minutes. In like 20 minutes. Well, there's no hardly any traffic because everyone's trying to leave. And he does some science crap with outdated technology. Not for the time. At the time, it was super high-tech, H-I-tech technology <laughs> yes. that David's throwing around. Like flat-screen TVs, how that's never going to happen. A flat screen TV and a briefcase. That's actually one of my favorite things about this movie is that they bring this briefcase in for the president to look at, and they open it up, and it's it's bigger than any laptop that we have now. <laughs> yeah, and that is this fold up screen and all this other stuff. Wow. But David calls his wife, and he's like, "Hey, I need to tell you something." And that's when we find out that. David has jealousy issues, apparently. <laughs> With the president. With the president. <laughs> uh, when she was running the president's campaign, David thought that she was having an affair with the president, and then they got into a fight. And David hit the president. Yeah, and David hit the president. So that's an uncomfortable meeting again. And the president excuses himself... Um, uh, from the table because they're trying to make first contact with the aliens. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'm going to get up and uh, go have a talk with my chief of staff's ex-husband, the one that beat me up. This is more important. I'm going. It's one of the characters actually says that. The Weasley chief uh, uh, defense minister or yeah. whatever he is goes, you're leaving now? <laughs> and, and everybody in the theater is like, right? Uh-huh. Because what they've done is um, they've rigged up this helicopter with this light bar, and they're going to fly the helicopter up to the front of the ship that's over Washington, D.C. They're going to try to communicate with it. I'm fairly convinced that they just stole the light bar from, like, a KISS concert, yes. as near as I can tell. Yes. Gene Simmons says, yeah, but just so long as you convey the message of KISS to the exactly. aliens. Ask if the aliens want to rock and roll all night. Right. So now David explains to the president... Um, that the aliens have been using our satellites to coordinate a countdown with all the other ships, um, and that's not that's not good. They're using our satellites against us. And I was kind of thinking, hey, movie, um, how come they just don't deploy their own satellites? Yeah, they're, they're, it's a big ship, <laughs> right? <laughs> and lots of fifteen-mile littler ships. How come you just don't deploy your own and not use our crappy technology? But I mean, Or they whatever. could have just synchronized it ahead of time. Yeah. Do they not have clocks on their ships? <laughs> they don't. 
That's why they're invading Earth. They lack clock technology. Like the, the, the captains of all the smaller ships couldn't have just said, okay, 11.15, that's when we're blowing everything up. Everybody got it? 11.15, yeah. cool. You know? Nope. Okay. Nope. So we launch, we send these helicopters out to, to talk to them. And, uh, you know, just like whenever... I mean, look. Look at it this way. They send these helicopters up, and they're, like, knocking at that, the, the alien's front door. And if it was me, and it was, like, a nice Sunday morning, and I'm relaxing, and all of a sudden I get a knock on the front door, and it's Jehovah's Witness, the first thing I do is set them on fire and blow them exactly. up. Exactly. It's a completely reasonable response. <laughs> because that's what the aliens do. They're like, go away. <laughs> Boom. No soliciting. And finally, with only with less than 30 minutes to go on this countdown thing that David has brought up, now he's finally like, let's evacuate everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, what is what happens now? Well, they're all... Everyone get... Yeah, yeah everybody in the White House around. is leaving. And Yeah, they're sending the vice president and the joint chiefs off to NORAD. Right. And the president is getting onto Air Force One, and for whatever reason, he's taking David and his dad. Yep. Just, you know, I guess... Instead of just saying thank you and leaving, right? Them you get on the other plane. <laughs> um, the the first lady is still in Los Angeles; she hasn't left yet. And um, then the countdown they get onto the they get onto Air Force One, and then the countdown goes to zero, and the aliens open up a big old can of whoopass. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's time for some disaster porn. And boy, is it good disaster for it. Mm, mm, mm. We're talking about a tidal wave of flame Ooh. and things going boom and buildings exploded yep. and the, there goes the White House and there goes the Empire State Building and um, there goes no notable landmarks in L.A. because <laughs> they don't really have any. Yeah, wasn't it like the Tower Records building or something? Is that the one that they blew it up was, in L.A.? No one cares. No, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's no notable structure in L.A. Yeah. other than the Hollywood sign that everyone could point to and go, yeah, no, they blew up Nakatomi Tower. Yeah, so, hey, there you go. They blew up Nakatomi Tower. You know, now we know what kind of research the aliens were doing when they were abducting people and apparently yeah, yeah, sexually yeah. abusing them. They wanted to know what our culturally significant buildings were. Right, exactly. They, they only knew them from our movies. Yeah. Like, they really seem to like this Empire State Building thing. Let's take that out. <laughs> that ought to really fuck with them. We actually, what it was, they saw a transmission of King Kong and they wept for the, the gorilla. Yes, that's, that, that's what triggered this <laughs> whole thing. They had an intergalactic meeting that said, the death of this gorilla will not stand. <laughs> if all they had, they should have just left him on that island alone. <laughs> that's why they destroyed the Empire State Building. <laughs> This one's for you, Kong. <laughs> so uh, there's a bunch of explosions, and uh, David's friend Harvey Firestein dies, and uh, people get blowed up a lot. And uh, oh, and then we cut to Vivica A. Fox, who's in a tunnel with her with her adorable child and their dog and their dog. Yes, and she sees the the wall of fire. Um, stealthily approaching <laughs> the car, and she gets out and she starts running because they're in a big traffic jam. And she uh, kicks open a door that's on the side of the the tunnel, and she gets in. And uh, the dog gets in, 
and we don't really know what happened to them because they cut away and then then we get our our first indicated because now it's J- July 3rd remember yeah. the All- light bulb breaks <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they we cut. Yeah, we, go ahead. we can presume that they survive, though, because, you know, well, I can't presume anything. Dude. But you know how physics works in movies where, you know, when there's an explosion, gases, they, they don't expand to fill every empty space. They only just keep going straight ahead. So the explosion. Just oh, is that, that door right is? by? Yeah, I forgot the movie gas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's movie gas. The, the, yeah, she's probably fine. And because that would be a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If the cutest little kid in the world was burnt to a crisp. Yeah. Are you laughing now? Okay. So now we cut to New York, and, oh, the Statue of Liberty is laying in the Hudson River <laughs> looking like a drunken frat boy waking up in a gutter after a really hard night. You maniacs! <laughs> <laughs> and the president is... Uh, upset with himself as he should be because he could have evacuated people earlier yeah he's starting to realize he's not a very good president and we forgot to mention air force one gets out of the way of the big uh, tidal wave of flame so they're all they're all okay yeah and uh someone says hey let's nuke him and jeff goldblum being the earthy crunchy dude is like you can't do that that's crazy and chief of defense goes shut up and then David's father, because this isn't this isn't emasculating at all. When your elderly father steps in to defend you, <laughs> why would you be and without my like, David? Yeah, you guys are so stupid. He figured out the countdown thing, and besides which, you guys should have known about it because you had that alien thing in Area Fifty One. And the president's like, "That's insane. Go away, Alex Jones. You're an idiot." Yeah. And then the chief of defense goes, "Oh yeah, we have all that stuff. <laughs> Probably should have mentioned something when the aliens started showing up." I just but we've got to cut away for a scene from Star Wars. I mean, for a fighter scene. Hey, it was in the trailer. It's got to be in the movie. So uh, all of the fighter dudes. Yeah. Um, are getting ready to get into their fighting planes to launch an assault against the ship that destroyed L.A. And this is what I mean by nothing seems to have a real emotional impact on Will Smith's friend. Because he is in extraordinarily good spirits. Considering that over the last six hours... Probably at least a billion people have died on the planet. <laughs> yeah, it was the worst day ever in the history of ever. And but he's still, hey, woo, we're gonna boop boop do. And it may be just a bravado. Maybe he's crying inside. Maybe he's a scared little boy. I don't know. But this this fighter group called the Black Knights. They're getting into their their fighter ships. And they're getting ready to go and attack the Death Star. Uh, the giant little... The, <laughs> the, whatever the Star Destroyer. The, the giant... The, the mean Frisbee. We'll just call it the, <laughs> the mean, mean Frisbee. Frisbee. Perfect. <laughs> and, and they go up against it and they launch the missiles. And the missiles hit what, Steve? Oh, there's a shield. The yeah. aliens have a Star trek defense shield up. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden they launch their own fighter ships. Yeah. And what do they have, Steve? They have their own little shields. Yeah. yeah. And so they lose bad. They, yeah, everybody <laughs> dies. Ex- except for except f- Will Smith and his friend. Yeah. 
Exactly. Well, but, for now. But don't... Yeah, for now. Then he does something stupid, and then he dies. Yep, sorry. So that Will Smith can be upset about something, briefly. <laughs> for, like, a second. Yeah, like a second and a half. <laughs> Remember, we're, we're, he, they're flying over the rubble of L.A. to attack this ship. And he is thinking, oh, well, my fiancé stripper is dead, and that little boy is... Oh, boy. He's probably burnt alive. Oh, and the dog. You know, I complained about the dog, but oh, man, if that dog is dead, I'm, I don't know if I can go into battle, guys. And he's like, don't worry, I'm sure they survived. And they're literally flying over the bodies of millions of people. <laughs> and he's like, look, this isn't a movie, my friend. There's no way they survived. There is no possible way. The odds of them surviving this are astronomically low, okay? Don't try to cheer me up. We're going off to die. You realize that, right? We're going <laughs> flying off and we're going to die. Can I at least be sad for two minutes about my dead fiancé, one of the most adorable children in the world, and a dog? Can I do that? <laughs> nope. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my imitation of uh who is he doing an imitation he's doing it of uh, uh it sounded kind of like Jesse Jackson it is Jesse Hoa, Jackson he's doing Jesse we Jackson. are on this particular mission right yeah nothing he does it impacts me emotionally he doesn't he doesn't have any jokes to tell as Jesse Jackson yeah he kind of just does the even voice. when they're f- even when they get called away and they are the last two pilots his friend is still going woohoo while they're yeah. flying away all of your friends are dead. Everyone you knew that lived in L.A., dead. <laughs> Whatever, let's go, Big Daddy. Yet you can still muster a woohoo after getting the shit kicked out of you by aliens. But then he dies, so yeah, fuck him. Enough. Yeah, and he's really never mentioned again. <laughs> nope, no one Will, is really. Will Smith's best friend die. and partner, he's dead, forget it. <laughs> So now uh, Will Smith does the trench run from Death the the Death Star. Yep. I mean, he flies no, through. Yeah, it's totally different. Canyon. Yeah, it's totally different. And yeah, and then he uh, releases his uh, his braking parachute for his ship, and he covers up the other alien ship that forgot that it had uh, shields on it, and and he uh pops out of his ship and the other ship crashes and hits the ground and then Will Smith talks smack and then punches out the alien yep. and says and welcome to earth does two quickie two quickie one-liners while smoking a cigar i would like to uh reinforce this moment for human beings out there <laughs> who don't live in movie land Fiance dead? Little kid dead. Dog dead. House probably obliterated. Everyone you knew in Los Angeles? Dead. Billions of people on Earth? Dead. Best friend? Dead. Not more than two minutes ago. And you are happily doing one-liners, smoking a cigar. And pretty soon, you're not going to be complaining about everyone dead. You're going to be complaining about the how you missed a barbecue. Yep. With all your now-dead friends. <laughs> Area 51? Yeah, I think this is the Area 51 stuff. Or yeah. Dennis Quaid and family trying to get away from the thing, and they're they're leading a whole refugee of, of RV people. Yeah, just driving right? across the desert. <laughs> no yeah, road. Just trying to get away. <laughs> just... They run into Will Smith, who's taken the alien body with him. Yeah. Yeah, because see, and... he, he says he saw a military base from his plane, but it's not mm-hmm. on any of the maps. Yeah, I wonder what that could be, huh? 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Do you think it could be Area 51? It might be. I mean, there are aliens <laughs> well, in this Well, that's good, because that's where the president's going. Yeah, the, the president <laughs> and everybody else on that fucking plane, I guess. They figure out, ah, what, what, what's the use of security now that half the population of Earth is dead? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll just let everybody Did walk around wherever the hell they want. They fly to Alien 51. They meet uh, the goofball scientist, mm. played by... Steve and I's favorite, yeah. Brent Spiner, yeah. who also played Data and started, who was playing Data at the time. Yeah, exactly. And is somehow in the sequel. Yeah. This character is in the sequel somehow. And I just, I just want this character's name to be noted for the record on this podcast. This character's name, his full name, according to the credits, is Dr. Brackish Oaken. <laughs> I, I just want that to be, you know, stated for the record. Okay, got it. I didn't know his first name was Brackish. Brackish. You know, because he's not freshwater. He's just <laughs> sort of brackish. What were his parents doing? <sighs> ah, little Brackish one day. Brackish, don't be like your... Don't be like your brother enfeebled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's uh, a Dr. Weirdo. Oaken... Yeah, Dr. Oaken is a long-haired weirdo scientist, and he's been studying um, this ship. The, you know, it's the whole Roswell, New Mexico, alien spacecraft landing crash thingamadoober, and they've been studying this spacecraft and, I guess, backwards engineering a bunch of crap, and they have alien bodies, and well, that's when we first see the alien bodies all broken up, and they don't have mouths, which means that they're telepathic and don't eat. Yep. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. As near as I can tell. <laughs> they just cram food in their ears. Yeah. They don't explain that. No. <laughs> um, so then Will Smith hitching a ride with uh, Randy Quaid's group shows up and the scientists get all excited because they have a new alive alien that they're going to waterboard. Yeah. Um, for information, or at least try to, they got to get them out of this suit kind of thing because apparently they wear these biomechanical suits that make them look real scary, and underneath it they look kind of dumb. Yeah, they got big frisbee heads and uh, spindly little weak ass bodies. Um, and in the meantime, everyone's still talking about, hey, let's nuke, let's nuke these things, and people are like, nope, well, I don't want to do that. That's stupid. <laughs> um. Unless you, and here's one of the things this happens a lot in Roland Emmerich's films where they have a character who says something rational but it's portrayed as being crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and it's portrayed as being crazy because they get a Weasley person to do the rational bit, and yeah, so it makes it look like a bad idea just because because it goes against the narrative of the movie as near as I can tell. And the, the chief, of the Department of Defense, has been saying we need to nuke these targets now. And the president's like, "No, I'm not going to do it. It'll be me killing more people, and then everyone else is going to launch their nukes, and then it'll all be bad." <laughs> and I'm kind of like, "How can it get worse? Yeah. You already have these ships are moving to new targets. <laughs> Someone just handed you a piece of paper to let you know that Georgia, St. Louis, right. and a whole bunch of other cities are gone. Have you looked outside lately? <laughs> 
oh yeah, and they destroyed NORAD. So there's no more government left. It's you and Department of Defense guy and Robert Loja. <laughs> I'll be. I'll take over, Mr. President. Um, but uh, they're they're holding on. He's holding off. He doesn't want to nuke nobody. Um, it's around this time that Jeff Goldblum gets to have a little break from all the running around and stuff. I think they briefly have a, he has a discussion with his ex-wife about their relationship stuff. Yeah. Uh, which also firmly establishes another trope from Roland Emmerich films of the couple that's broken up that are still in love and they have to get back together because, uh... They can't accept that relationships end. Yeah, because there's no such thing as a clean, permanent breakup. Nope. <laughs> um, but then Dr. Oaken and a whole bunch of other scientists open up the suit, which was a bad idea, mm-hmm. and then uh, the alien goes cuckoo crazy and starts killing everybody, and then the military guys show up, and the alien slams Dr. Oaken against the wall and starts talking through him telepathically and the president's like can we work together can we be pals and the alien's like no (laughs) well the alien should have said I'm sorry I'm not an elected representative of my race I don't really have the authority (laughs) they were like the alien to go look I'm like the backup co-pilot from that ship (laughs) I didn't even want to do this I'm just in the military okay this wasn't my idea yeah I voted against the whole invade earth thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so sure we can be pals but in movie universes entire races have to be evil and not have internal conflicts so uh sorry sorry I'm gonna psychically probe your mind Mr. President just a second just take a minute just hold still. there we go yeah hold still <laughs> that's it so the alien gives the, the president like some kind of telepathic whammy and yeah. the military guys are like, that's not cool. So they shoot the glass and they kill the yeah. alien. Yeah, they kill the alien. And we're fairly certain Dr. Oaken is dead. You would think. Because military dude touches his neck. He looks real dead. Oh, yeah. And military dude's a little upset because I guess he and Dr. Oaken were friends or something because sure. he shoots that alien three times in the head. <laughs> That'll teach you to presumably kill Dr. Oaken. Yeah. And but the president said, "Oh, I I touched minds with this alien, and they're like locusts, and they go from planet to planet. They eat up all the natural resources with their no mouths, and then they go to another planet. They're bad. We're gonna nuke them. <laughs> now that I know they are the purest evil. Yeah, <laughs> it may not be just this one psychotic alien fucking with me. Yeah, right. <laughs> What if that alien was just a huge racist? They don't know. What if that alien was, like, trying to play a practical joke? (laughs) What if that alien didn't realize that he was destroying the president's mind during the telepathic link? And they killed him before he got to the part where it just said JK at the end of the psychic message. This is all a big misunderstanding. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. You're the sentient life forms? Oh, fuck. We thought dolphins were. We were just protecting them. Do you guys know there are people in the ocean? (laughs) You call them like fish and stuff? They're like people. Yeah, and you're killing the fuck out of them. They're really smart and they, yeah, you're really fucking their shit up right now. They called us (laughs) to get rid of you. (laughs) 
Um, and then the ship from Star Trek Four shows yes. up. Don't mind us. <laughs> <laughs> We're just here to pick up some humpback whales and leave, yeah. guys. <laughs> Those this, aliens are like, hey, how you doing? This will all make sense in like 300 years. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, um, yeah, he says Nukem, Jeff Goldblum, who's like really anti-nuke, uh, gets drunk. And uh, they he has another discussion about his relationship with his ex-wife. And then they fly a stealth bomber? Or a stealth fighter? Yeah, a whole bunch of them, actually. I thought it was only well, one. It looked like, well, I think they only sent one actually up to the ship. But it, wasn't there yeah. a shot of like a fleet of them flying somewhere? I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe. But it's the one over Dallas, yeah, right? Yeah. Houston. Yeah. Yeah, over Houston, yeah. And this ship has already, you know, destroyed the fuck out of Houston. And they're like, okay, let's blow it up. And so they launch the nuke, and it, there's a big explosion. And Weasley, Department of Defense guy, goes, yip, yippee! And then he sees the screen, and he goes, oh. <laughs> it didn't do any <laughs> good at all. Work. <laughs> it didn't penetrate the shields. And he's like, well, maybe we can try again. And the president's like, no. And I'm like, what? Why? Because because what? Why can't maybe you weakened them and yeah. a second one would blow it up? I'm pretty sure we can spare the nukes. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> we got a lot of them. And weren't we making them for something exactly like this? <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's another movie trope where, you know, you, you come up with a plan, you try it once, and then it, it fails and you just immediately abandon the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And anyone who suggests that maybe we should try it again is an asshole and a weasel. Uh, and so, you know what? Yeah. You know what? You should remember that, you know, if at first you don't succeed, immediately give up. Because I think that comes <laughs> up again later in the film. And I think the president And is... risk everything on a plan. Yeah. A multi, multi-part plan. <laughs> yeah. Devised by a non-professional, non-military person. So, uh, during all of this time, we hit a kind of uh, period where, oh, uh, yeah. So, anyway, we got to cut back to Vivica A. Fox because she did survive the big explosion. Her and her kid survived the big explosion, and they're wandering through L.A., um, looking around as if, um, well, I mean, they kind of seem upset. (laughs) The, The entire city has been obliterated. But she has this kind of, I know, I don't know what happened, sweetheart. I don't, I guess. And I don't understand why the the streets aren't littered with bodies, unless they all got burnt up or something. I don't know. But she gets a fire truck yeah. running. She's driving through the city. And, um, you know, the coincidence machine is running super high. Because she's been picking up any survivors and she stumbles across... Who's Dave? the first? Who is the it? first lady of the United States. That's right. She's hurt outside of her helicopter. Yeah, she somehow. she didn't take that helicopter crash too well. Mm-hmm. No. And so Vivica Fox says, "I'm driving to the base where my my boyfriend said I could go to be safe." There's a teeny tiny problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no base. The aliens went, hey, where did they send those ships from that started to attack us earlier? 
Oh, right over there, where all the other ships are. Yeah, could you guys go blow the fuck out of that place? <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yep. No more base. No more base. Base is blown up, so when Vivica Fox gets there, the base is blown up, and now she thinks that Will Smith is dead. No. Oh. But Will Smith, lacking anything to do once he gets to Area 51, decides... I'm going to go see if Jasmine's still alive. I'm going to steal a helicopter, and I'm going to go out there. That's what I'm going to do. And he does mm-hmm. it. And she's still alive. Isn't that great, yeah, Steve? It's, thr- it's thrilling. I mean, we knew she was alive the whole time. But, yeah. you know, it's good for him, I guess. Yeah. And we're lucky because they bring, he brings them all back to Area 51. Um, and uh, the president gets to see his wife, who dies uh, uh, dies of movie. Yep. He gets to see her moments before she dies, and then he gets to go yeah. out in the hallway and lie to his child and say, "Mommy's just asleep." And then apparently yeah, he never mommy's sleeping. he never corrects that. So the- no, later in the movie, after they after they defeat the aliens, and she sees her father coming in in his flight suit, she runs up and hugs him. I said when I was watching it, "Yay!" Does this mean mommy's gonna wake up now? <laughs> <laughs> can you just you can imagine the uh, the therapy sessions for this daughter in the future? Like, so he comes out <laughs> in the hallway, and my mom's in the hospital bed, and he says, "Don't worry, honey, mommy's sleeping," which I thought meant she was sleeping. Thing is, you know, so she never woke up again. <laughs> Why don't mommy wake up? So now it's July fourth. Yeah, finally. Jeez. God, call a movie Independence and, Day, you know? Right, and uh, Goldblum is still drunk and <laughs> tossing things around, and there is a great movie flub in this scene if you look for it. I paused it for my wife, and she thought it was hilarious, and I loved it too. Um, and I'm going to point it out to you people. Why not get you to watch the movie again? In the scene where he's tossing things around in the lab, he knocks over a large green plastic garbage bin that lands on its side, and it shows the bottom of it, and the bottom of it says, in great big blocky stencil lettering, Art Department. Uh-oh. <laughs> and it's not on screen briefly, it's on screen for a really long time. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, that's not a flub, because maybe Area 51 has an art department right. for some reason. They obviously they have an interior designer. The scientists leave. Huh? What yeah. were you going to say? They obviously have an interior designer. Yeah. There you go. You know? See? Yeah. Anyway, his father comes down and gives him a pep talk and says, I haven't talked to God. I need something. My character needs something. And it took the writers this long to give me something. <laughs> Conveniently right here. I haven't talked to God since your mom died. Um, and something about catching a cold. And Jeff Goldblum goes, hey, that reminds me of War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to come up with something like that. And he gets all excited. He runs away. He devises his plan. And what's the plan, Steve? You tell it. He's going to give the alien computers a computer virus. Yeah. Yeah. And he's confident that this is going to work because I guess, you know, computer systems are like life forms they all have the same dna i don't know (laughs) well originally this was one of my big problems with the movie was how could that be compatible 
But I managed to come up with a reason. I don't know why I bothered to do this for this dumbass movie. But if the idea is is that our technology has been backward engineered from that downed spacecraft, then there is a very good possibility that they can communicate with one another because we've been basing our tech off of their technology. That's a good explanation. they could be relatively compatible. It's a shame they didn't put that line in the mouth of one of the characters in the film. But because they weren't thinking about it, yeah. someone else had to come up with it. <laughs> so here's the plan. Number one, try to contact other military bases, despite the fact that we don't know where they are, via um, <laughs> via Morse code. Yeah, telegraph, apparently. You know, the old dee 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 and hope to God that other foreign countries understand Morse code. <laughs> and are listening to their telegraphs. <laughs> and that's where we cut to scenes of, like, the British military out in the middle of the desert in Iraq, just kind of standing around being dumb, because without America, no one knows what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't those Americans call? Don't they know what's I going on? I don't know. You know, we're, we're, we're jolly good rotten at everything. <laughs> Where are the Americans when we need them? They've abandoned us. Take your knife out and slash my throat, red and old. We British are only good for two things in emergencies, stiff upper lips and suicide. (laughs) Well, that's that, I suppose, eh, chaps? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so we have this scene of them deeting to... Um, some the, like the British people that are in Iraq who are now fighting with the Iraqis because we've all come together to fight a common threat. And just there's... like the plots from about 500 other better <laughs> sci fi <Exactly. laughs> movies. Um, so we see that, and then in Russia, where they're like, We are getting weird beeping signal from Americans. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> To that, I think it's only three countries, right? It's the Iraqis, yeah. they show the Russians, and they show. I think the Japan, Japanese, yeah, yeah. Which doesn't have a military! <laughs> no, no, they have the Godzilla force. They have the defense force to fight Godzilla. If they had Godzilla force, then Godzilla would be fighting these fucking things. You know that. Godzilla <laughs> yes. is the defender of the earth. That's right. They've... And he would have been stomping. Oh my god, That's, there's the movie I want! <laughs> we just imagined a way better movie. Godzilla would be making short work of all That's these right. things. He'd be riding on Mothra's back, zapping him with the his alien, fire breath. It'd be great. The aliens would have left immediately. <laughs> Holy shit, what is that? <laughs> no, it, what, um, there's a deleted so, scene that shows that they take out Monster Island first. Oh, so, is that what yeah, it that's, is? Yeah, that's why I know Godzilla. Yeah. Oh. Now it's a really sad yeah. movie. So now Godzilla's dead too. Aren't you happy? <laughs> So, no, actually, they, um, they they kill Godzilla a few years after this. Yeah, well, no, they try. Yeah, they we try. get him back. Um, so the thing is, they're telling all these people, "Hey, we're all going to attack at the same time because we're going to stick a sexy nerd and Will Smith into this spaceship that we have in Area Fifty One, and we're they're going to fly the spaceship up to the mothership, and then they're going to somehow." connect a USB port 
to their computer and to our computer, and we're going to upload a virus or do it by Wi-Fi, I guess. Yeah. Even though Wi-Fi didn't exist. How are they doing it again? Well, the aliens have Wi-Fi. <laughs> like, okay, I guess so. I guess. Yeah, that's true. And then they, as soon... Because mm-hmm. you don't see them connecting to anything when they actually get to that no. point. It's just Jeff Goldblum <laughs> typing on his computer going, I'm, uh, I'm uploading the virus. And... Yeah. And so we're going to upload the virus, and with any luck, it'll take down their shields, we think. We're not sure. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it'll just turn their lights on and off. <laughs> It just becomes an annoyance. Oh no, we're getting nothing but spam in our email. (laughs) (laughs) Retreat. Clorthak, if you get any emails from me today, they are not from me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, But that's the plan. They're going to upload the virus, the shields are going to go down. Not that it'll interrupt the cycle of the engines and uh, uh, 15 ships are going to go plowing into the Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Or explode or just fly off in a weird direction because the computer systems are down. Specifically just for the shields. Now, I'm having to assume that the virus is tailored specifically for the shields. Right? Yeah, you would think. So, yeah. So why not Because we don't see any other system-wide problems that occur when they download the virus later on. No. It's just the shield. Well, if they can target just the shields, then why not target the main, their main computers and say, fly away, <laughs> go fly into the sun, <laughs> right? Exactly. and they just don't fly off into the sun. <laughs> but that's the plan. But there's a problem with the plan, Steve. Yeah, because, you know, everybody's pretty much dead. <laughs> yeah, they ran out of all their fighter pilot guys when they attacked the base, and also that time before when they tried to shoot it when the shields were up. All they got is Will Smith now. <laughs> and and he can't fly a plane because he's going to fly the spaceship. Yeah, so who, who are we going to get to to fly? Who do uh, we have? Let's see. Let's... Oh, I know. Let's recruit out of the mobile home park. Yeah, exactly. What characters haven't done anything yet that could fly a plane? Hmm. Yeah, Randy Quaid has been too sober and too quiet for too long. <laughs> it's time for his character to do something. So they literally go to this population of people that escaped LA who are all in their RVs and they're like and it's, it's like this hi everybody um listen we're we're we're, we're swirling around the drain here <laughs> <laughs> um anyone want to volunteer for probably a suicide mission uh if you can fly that would be great um we're going to stick you behind probably one of the most complicated machines that we've ever created <laughs> And we're going to teach you how to do it in three hours, maybe? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But thankfully, they've got at least enough for a hundred fighter pilots. Yeah. I don't know how many, how many ships launch away, but it's a lot. Yeah. And, and one of them's Randy Quaid. Yes. And they're doing a sit-around, and he's like, okay, um... Uh, you guys, I can we get a little background on you? And Randy Quaid raises his hand. And he said, "Well, after Vietnam, I I did crop dusting, and also ever since I was abducted by aliens ten years ago, I want to get a little payback." And it's supposed to be an embarrassing scene, right? I guess, or at least a funny one. I don't know. But in this movie's premise, aliens have shown up and started tearing the place apart. So yeah. wouldn't you go, oh, wait, you know about these aliens already? You've been inside their ship. 
They've experimented on you? Yeah, I've been telling people for ten years. Can you go downstairs and talk to some people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nope. We'll, we'll just Can look we at you funny. Your, yeah, we're just going to look at you funny because it's a wah-wah moment. Yeah. Because we're still not supposed to take your character seriously. Despite the fact that you're probably the person with the most experience with <laughs> yes. the aliens at this point. You're still a fool, even though it turned out you were totally <laughs> right all along. You are a joke, sir. A joke. But before we can do this important light, you know, saving the planet stuff, more important things have to happen. You know what those are, Steve? What, what more important things have to happen, Jason? Well... People have to have the sanctity of marriage. Oh, that's right. Will Smith has to marry Vivica A. Fox. By giving her maybe one of the ugliest rings ever designed. Yep. A little gold (laughs) ring with dolphins and and diamonds on it because she likes dolphins. Don't get your your wedding rings at Target, guys. Here's a shameful thing. You ready? Yeah. Rings with dolphin designs went up. Oh, wow. (laughs) After this movie came out, demand went up. <laughs> Man, the aliens really should come and destroy us, shouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the president—is the president there? No, no. It's it's married? just Jeff Goldblum and Margaret Colin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they 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 start realizing, hey, um, you know what? We do love each other, despite the fact that you have jealousy and violence issues. <laughs> You have a real problem with anger because every time something happens that you get upset about, you start yelling and throwing things. You do it a lot. You yelled at earlier in the movie. You yelled at people in your own office for putting re- garbage in the recycling and recycling in the garbage. You literally yelled at people about it. And, you know, there's also the implication that they got divorced because she took a job working for the President of the United States. <laughs> Like, yeah, you're right. She should have just turned that down. Mm-hmm. That's not a pinnacle of anybody's career. Mm-hmm. He was Jeff Goldblum was totally right. Yeah, but they're, they, you know, love feelings, whatever. <laughs> so they get married and uh, Sexy Nerd and Will Smith get into the spaceship. And uh, uh, then uh, the president has to give uh, what could be misconstrued not misconstrued which could be the most jingoistic (laughs) cheesiest speech ever about how we're going to apply our holiday to the whole world now yep Because I'm fairly certain that America's taken over the world in the... Oh, yeah. You know that that if this works, we're never going to let the rest of the world forget it. (laughs) It's like the the aliens are defeated and and people around the world, it's like, on the one hand, yay. On the other hand, oh, Christ, we're never going to hear the end of this. Mm Mm-hmm. But he gives a big stirring speech, which, you know, still works. And would have been fine if it was just people cheering and applauding at the end of it. But no, Roland, Emmer- oh, Roland Emmerich had to overplay his hand and have an over-enthusiastic dude <laughs> give an over-enthusiastic salute at the end. And that was the tipping point for that speech. He was deeply moved. He was deeply moved with feelings he, of patriotism. If you rewatch it, that man looks extraordinarily psychotic. Yeah. He's like, I've been through so much. Everyone I know is dead. This is the only thing I have. Patriotism, and so everyone's getting ready to get into their fighter jets, 
And uh, the president is, too. Yep. Because, unless you forgot, the president is a fighter pilot, and he's getting in, too. Yeah, and Robert and Loge Robert is there Loge. like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> you're the last person, <laughs> you're the last person in the government. The Joint Chiefs, the Vice President, they're all dead. If you die, you know who's going to be in charge? Well, I assume you. No, it's going to be the Secretary of Defense. Actually, no, it wouldn't be because the president fired him. Did he fire him yeah, before that I, or after that? He fired him before that, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, he did fire him. So, so who, who is it? It's just Robert it's Logia. Be Logia. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Good luck, Mr. President. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Take the missiles off his plane. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying, General, General Robert Logia? I'm saying nothing. Ooh. Unless you want to be vice president. <laughs> it's time for a regime change. We're set up for a military dictatorship like nobody's business. <laughs> After today, it's going to be Logia land. <laughs> Emperor Logia. I like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, goodbye, Mr. President. Take the bullets out, too. <laughs> Best of luck to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so now we got the big the big fight, right? Yeah. The the guys, sexy nerd and and uh Will Smith uh, go up into space and they go up to the big ship that no one can see, but now they can see it cuz they're in space. Sure, exactly, that's how it works. And the big ship uh, uh does the autopilot thing and draws them in and docks them. And they close the little blinds on the windows so that the aliens can't look inside and see, oh, shit, humans. Um, <laughs> nor do the aliens ever go, hey, you know, that ship docked like half an hour ago and no one ever got out of it. And also, isn't that the ship we lost like 50 years ago? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Ooh. Wait a minute. Beep. Clarf Dak, is that you? <laughs> We've told your family you died a long time ago. Clarf Dak? Clarf Dak, is Bing Bong there? Bing Bong. <laughs> <laughs> there are families that think you're dead. Can you come out, please? This is weird. <laughs> hey, we've detected a weird computer signal infecting our computers. You know anything about that? Ding dong. Hello, Bing Bong. Bing Bong. <laughs> Clarf Dak and Bing Bong. Guys, I don't think that is Clarf Dak and Bing Bong. Shut up, that's crazy. Who would be in there? I don't know, maybe humans. That's a conspiracy theory. No, it's not. It turns out that the alien president is just as ineffective as our human president. <laughs> so they upload the virus, and the virus gets downloaded, and Robert Loja goes, Okay! Fighting time! And they launch all their planes. And uh, now they're going up to the big ship, which is now moving into position to take out Area 51. Right. Which is bad. Oh, yeah. And they're like, hey, uh, get everybody inside. Why? Oh, because they launched little fighters to come kill us. <laughs> <laughs> and then one was like, maybe we should have done that before. No. Yeah. Just get them in here. And they're like, okay. So everyone goes inside Area 51, and the ship is coming, and um, that's bad. And so then the president launches his missile, and it blows up on the shield. Uh -oh. And he's and they're like, "God damn it!" <laughs> we 
well, so much for that plan. And the president's like, no, wait, you sound like the Secretary of Defense. Just a second, I'm going to try again. Oh, you mean and like you didn't he with the nukes earlier? Okay. Yeah, like you did with the nukes, sir. He's learned Meanwhile, his lesson. Meanwhile, the aliens are like, thank fuck they didn't launch another nuke or they would have found out and we would have been screwed. <laughs> <laughs> we can take one nuke, but not two. Um, launches the next missile and that one hits the ship. Oh, yeah. And now everyone can commence with the kung fu fighting in, in the air and with the missiles and shooting and one-liners and yeah. Now and we'll really have Russell, enough for a cool trailer. Uh, Dennis Quaid's character is now uh, Russell. That's his yeah. name. He gets to do the, get the shooting, and he's everyone's having a great whoopy whoopy time. But they're not doing enough damage to the to the big old ship. They got to figure out something because uh oh, it's taking this little tiny weird vagina ding-dong weapon at the bottom of the ship that he used to blow up everything else and it's going to blow up Area 51 and everybody inside is going to die so they got to think of something. And the president's like, I know, I'll shoot my missile at the the ding-dong thing and that'll blow it up. And he launches it and it just hits the side and you realize, oh, the president wasn't a good... (laughs) fighter pilot (laughs) (laughs) and everyone's out of yeah everyone's now out of missiles except not everyone (laughs) not Russell he still has his missile and he's like I've got one Mr. President I'm gonna shoot it you know me the drunk (laughs) the one that no one listened to the one that everyone dismissed, despite the fact that everything that I said what that I did that <laughs> happened to me actually happened. <laughs> I'm going to save everybody, me. And he tries to launch the missile, and what happens, Dave? Oh, man. You know, it's just like when you're running from the monsters and your car won't start. Yeah. He fires his missile, but there's some kind of freaky malfunction, and his missile won't mm. fire. It's just stuck so to his plane. He, what does he do, Steve? He flies his plane... In in into the alien ship parts, yeah, in, into the ding dong vagina yeah. shooter thing. He says, "Tell my kids I love them," and then he says, yeah. "Hey, aliens, up yours." That's literally his final words. Yeah, and in in the in the what does he say? In the language of my, of generation. my generation, yeah. <laughs> and he flies up, and that explodes, and the whole ship explodes, and conveniently, one of his kids was in the control the battle control center to overhear all of this. Yeah, because, again, security is no longer a concern. They just let everybody stop all over Area 51. And it, we, since we didn't really cover it, um, <laughs> Russell's kids kind of hate him because yeah. he's a drunk. <laughs> and, but at the end of it, he's like, oh, no, my drunk dad, well, he's going to die. And then, uh, you know, a, a, a guy afterwards when he blows up and the ship blows up and Robert Loge is like oh now we know how to destroy him let everybody else know and I'm really surprised that there isn't a deet 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 and the British pilots are getting slaughtered (laughs) (laughs) what does he mean we have to sacrifice one of our drunken members (laughs) to fly directly into the into their main weapon I want you to find your drunkest most troubled pilot one that everyone discounted as being a loser. <laughs> the one who's going to need some redemption. I want that guy. 
He died in the first salvo. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Quick, Hastings. Yes, sir. Get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't your wife leave you, old man? Well, yes, it was terrible. <laughs> Good enough. Fly into <laughs> that thing. <laughs> in the Russian one, all the Russian pilots fly into <laughs> Yes. The entire fleet just goes careening straight we up. We are from the... Russia. Life is horrible. No one listens to us, <laughs> and we're all drunk. <laughs> oh, em- <laughs> embrace me, sweet oblivion. <laughs> And here's the other thing. There were like how many how many ships went? It was like twelve or something. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. There are uh, what two over the United States? Yeah. Two or at three, least. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. At least Who's two. Who's attacking the other one? <laughs> <laughs> you know the other ship. That's over the U.S. or the one that's over South America. I'm fairly certain they don't have a sizable air force. <laughs> they show one destroyed in Africa. Who destroyed that one? Yeah, they they show like like uh, Australia. <laughs> they show like tribes people, like watching it oh. watching it crash and like shaking spears and stuff. Like, well, wait a minute, did yeah, they? Yeah, because have we to do wouldn't it? know it's Africa unless we saw. <laughs> Tribes people with spears. Because you know, just like we wouldn't know it was Egypt unless we saw people wearing desert garb, a la Lawrence of Arabia. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, because I mean, there aren't cities in Africa. It would be like if when they cut to Japan and a bunch of geisha girls and shog- sh- uh, men dressed as shogun came out and sh- shook their samurai exactly. swords at them. And I, you know, there, there there needed to be a shot of people standing on the Great Wall of China. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. watching the ship fall. Yeah, exactly. But apparently, if one ship blows... I guess maybe if one ship blows up, they all blow up? Maybe? I mean, in this movie, that's... I don't that's... think so, because they destroy the other ships, and they're all going down, and everyone's like, woohoo! Right? Yeah. Meanwhile, up in the mothership... Um, oh, yeah, and that's the other thing. When they when they guided uh, uh, you know, nerd, sexy nerd and... and Will Smith's ship into the mothership, they saw that they were getting ready for a full-scale invasion. All of the aliens were in their biomech suits. Yeah. And they were getting ready to come down and, and you know, I guess go hand-to-hand or clean up or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. But now they're still up there, and the ship, I mean, the aliens must be really calm, because at at this moment, all of the big ships that they sent down to the planet are all being destroyed. But no one seems to be panicking or running around. There's no, no alarm klaxon or anything going off. They're cool. Yeah. Um, but Will Smith and uh, and Jeff Goldblum have pretty much figured they're going to die because they can't get loose from the little grapple thingy from the dock. And so they're just smoking cigars and waiting for the end. Yeah. No, they're going to launch because they have a nuke. They have a nuke that they're supposed to launch right. and the, the original plan was that they would launch the nuke and then leave, but now they can't leave, so they're just like, well, fuck it, let's just launch the nuke. Yeah. And so they launch the nuke and um when they do that, it destroys a little bridge thingy where an underpaid grunt alien <laughs> did not deserve the death that he got. He was just doing his job. <laughs> yeah. No, they're all the purest evil. Oh, that's They're right. They're all pure evil. <laughs> but doing that un, un, uncouples them from the dock. And now they've got to escape the ship 
before the nuke explodes. Yeah, and it gives Jeff Goldblum a great opportunity to basically just redo the the Jeep chase with the Tyrannosaur from Jurassic Park. I was Park. fully expecting to see a T-Rex chasing after them down that <laughs> last corridor as they're flying out of the ship. He even says, must go faster. Like, he uses the exact... Yeah. It's like Roland Emmerich saw Jurassic Park and said, I want you to just do that. <laughs> and they get out of the ship, and they're flying away, and the big mothership vaporizes as near as... I mean, it just goes poof. Yeah, that was a, it explodes big. It was a hell of a nuke they had. I would like to reiterate that this is a ship that is one quarter the size of the moon right next to Earth that just exploded I don't know, I, yeah. a, a gajillion megatons. <laughs> but I think everything will be fine, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Well, okay. Didn't, there was, wasn't there, <laughs> there was even like a, a scene early in the movie where, where the, the military guys were talking about, you know, maybe we should try to blow up these ships, whatever they are. And Robert Loja mm-hmm. says, well, that would then, instead of like 15 falling objects, we'd have like a million falling objects. They must have forgotten about Guess that. Guess what? <laughs> you still get a million falling objects. <laughs> Oh, and guess who afforded the whole plan of destroying that mothership with nukes? The Secretary of Defense. Yes. He's like, let's just target some ICBMs on it and blow it out of the sky. And they're like, you're stupid. And then two hours later, we're going to target an ICBM and blow it out of the sky. You think he's down there going, can I have my job back? Yeah, I mean, all I was doing was what I thought was best. I'm not evil. I'm just saying what I want to do. Yeah. What I think is right, and oh yeah, that plan that I came up with before billions of people died is the one that you used at the end. Why am I fired again? Is it just because you don't like me? I'm sorry I didn't say anything about Area 51. Okay, I apologize. (laughs) Now can I please have my job back? (laughs) So... um, Oh, but the little baby ship with with Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum gets caught up in the blast. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, that's that's not good. But everything on on Earth, everyone is happy and jam- jumping around and dancing, and yippee! And the president's like, "Hey, what about those guys we sent up to die? Are they dead?" And Robert Loge's like, "Ah, probably. I don't care. <laughs> I was gonna be King Loge. <laughs> Thank God you made it back, Emperor okay, Mr. Loja. President." Yeah. <laughs> he turns to the guy I told you to take the weapons off You're dead to me now <laughs> You're gonna have to watch your back forever we're, we're, We have to rebuild society You can't be safe all the time I'm gonna get you <laughs> Don't ever let me see the back of your head You son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> But thankfully one of the radar dudes Is like I know that there is a shit ton of debris coming down through the atmosphere right now from the big exploded ship, but somehow I know that this bit probably is the ship that those guys were flying on. Hey, I know. Let's get the whole central caster right out and see if it's them. (laughs) Into the jeeps, everybody. (laughs) And they all run out to the jeeps and they go out to the salt flats and oh... They're alive. Yeah. Yippee. They're doing the Chuck Yeager strut from The Right Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, we have a little thank you from the president. He's like, thank you, you guys. And they're like, yeah, we're badasses. And uh, then Will Smith picks up the little kid and he says, I told you there's going to be fireworks, didn't I? And the little kid goes, yeah. 
and I'm really surprised Lolita didn't go, yeah, um, all my friends are dead, huh? <laughs> fade to black, fade to black. Quick, before he has any more uncomfortable questions. Is there preschool tomorrow, or are they all, like, blackened skeletons back back home? That's what Will Smith Stop, hands it off to his mom. He looks up at the debris. Those are the bodies of millions of aliens falling to Earth. <laughs> okay, I'm going to hand you to your mom now. <laughs> You're really ruining the <sighs> moment. <laughs> the end. So, Steve. Yes. What are your opinions on the sci-fi disaster classic Independence Day? This is another movie, kind of like a few of the other movies we've talked about in this series, where like when I first saw it, I was a teenager and I thought it was just like awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it again as an adult, and my opinion of it changed. And yeah. I like it had been a few years, probably more than a few years actually, since I had seen it before I watched it for this. And my impression before watching it this time was that it was a big dumb action movie and after I watched it just this this week my impression of Uh. it is that it's a big dumb action movie (laughs) it's weird it's like there's a there's there's a lot wrong with it that I'm sure we're going to talk about and there's Mm -hmm. there's I mean it's it's too long it is like almost two and a half hours long it's just way too long Mm -hmm. there's too many characters in it um it's not funny. It's, you know, it's just, but there's not in the way it wants, not to in be. the way it wants to be. No, but I don't know. Maybe it's because there have been so many movies made since that are just way worse than this. You mean by the same, by people? the same people in many cases, using yes. the same tropes. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, it's not a good movie, but it's not a bad movie. It's a movie. It's like just a, a, a turn your brain off and watch it popcorn movie, you know? And it's like, oh, the actor, the script is terrible, but the actors are mostly likable and, you know, they seem to be yeah. trying to do something with this. So whatever, you know? So it's not like a terrible movie, but I mean, when you, when you look at it, when you start to analyze it, I mean, there are, there are moments that are played like they're jokes that aren't even jokes, like right. the the Randy Quaid stuff we talked about where they made fun of his character for being sexually abused by the aliens like that's not even yeah. a punchline that's not even funny no. or that's just mean people being mean to somebody yeah or like uh the uh, there's 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 that 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 scene with Randy Quaid when he stands up and you know in the the area 51 and he's telling about ever since I was abducted by aliens you know and again that's it's written it's delivered in the kind of pace as though he's he's yeah. telling a joke there's no joke no there's no there's joke. no joke there so it's there's a lot of that there's a lot of stuff where it seems like the filmmakers were like we need to put some jokes here but they didn't put any jokes so then on the set mm-hmm. they were just like well just say it like it's a joke um my opinion of this film is it's got an awful script it borrows heavily from a lot of other things, you know, from other established sci-fi tropes. Oh yeah, especially from the 1950s, because we really haven't had an invasion movie since the 1950s uh, on this scale. And um, you know, there are uh, definitely lazy parts to it, lazy storytelling, lots of way too many characters that are not developed and they're not terribly deep and. Any attempts at making them deep is just kind of very ham-handed. 
But I love watching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I cannot not recommend this film because despite the flaws in the script, it is still a fun movie to watch. And that was kind of the whole point of the film. We made a lot of I made a lot of reference to the fact that none of the events in this movie had a major impact on any of the characters. It couldn't. This movie cannot be a serious... You can't take any of these characters terribly seriously because if we treated them like realistic characters, the movie wouldn't go anywhere. People would just break down and cry <laughs> or give up hope. And while that might be interesting for like a, a tiny art film or something like that, the bottom line of this film is this is supposed to be a fun movie that you eat popcorn to in the summertime. And that's all it was supposed to be. So they're not going to invest a huge amount into the characters who are cartoons. Right. You know? <laughs> and they don't expect you to either. Nothing nothing in here. I mean, if someone watches this movie and goes, oh, no, the characters are rich and deep, it's like, wow, your expectations must be awfully low. If you think that the the characterizations of these characters are are rich and deep, not even the actors are investing that much into them. Most of them seem to be going on autopilot, and they they serve a function, and that function is, hey, we're going to do something that actually hasn't been done for for the time, something that hasn't been done in a long time. We're going to do an alien invasion movie, where it's not pod people, and it's not some kind of infection, and it's not out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> or, you know, or anything like that. We're going to have great big spaceships come down and go rompy-stompy, and then we're going to fight back. And you're, it's going to make you feel like you had a good time, and it was fun. And the first time you watch it, you know, the length of it isn't going to impact you all that much. I've probably seen this movie, I don't know, 20, 25 times yeah. at this point? And it's one of those movies that you watch that... That doesn't make you feel bad after you've gotten done watching it. You don't feel like, oh, you, you, not like their later films like Godzilla, where you're just angry the whole time you're watching it. <laughs> because I think after this movie, they kind of went, wow, if they're willing to accept this level of dumb from the characters, I wonder how far we can exactly. take it. Now, it becomes a social experiment. And they've kind of gone, done this arc where they dipped way down. I think. 2012 was probably the lowest point that they got with really dumb characters. And they're trying in some of their films to angle it back up again, where their characters are not nearly as dumb and shallow. Um, uh, Day After Tomorrow, the characters in that aren't nearly as bad as 2012 or Godzilla <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't see their BC 1200 whatever the hell that was. No, I didn't see that movie. Um. So I mean, yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb, and then you know it's dumb going in. It showed you how dumb it was in the commercials. <laughs> it said, "Look, this is dumb, and it's fun, and there's nothing wrong with dumb fun." I'm willing to spend eight dollars at the time <laughs> to go see <laughs> dumb fun. So I think you know. Uh, it's it's just one of those things. It's one of those movies where, yeah, it's it's a it's kind of a classic. People reference it. People talk about it. People uh, uh, like say, oh well, it stole from Star Wars and it stole from this and it stole from that. Yeah. It's like you know what? If you steal from enough sources and you put it into your own movie, then it's its own thing. Star Wars stole from 
geez louise i don't know how many different sources but you you don't tear it apart for that do you so leave leave independence day alone sure it's star wars's retarded kid brother i don't care it's still entertaining (laughs) look at him spin around and blow stuff up (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know what you mean that's pretty much how i feel about it like it's um it's the kind it's a popcorn movie you know, mm-hmm. it's the the only to me the most uh, damning thing I could say about it isn't even really about the movie itself. It's just the fact that it kicked off this whole subgenre of you know of movies where it seemed like the whole reason they made the movie was so they could show you the CGI destruction of some recognizable landmark. But here's the weird part about it: this movie doesn't have any CGI in it. No, it's all models. It's all models. Yeah. It's all practical yeah. effects. It's all, it's all blue screen effects. I think this is the last big movie that relied on what was considered what we would consider old school special effects yeah. technology. And as a result, um, most of the effects look pretty good, even even today. It holds up. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. as goofy as they yeah. are, like hey, fighter planes don't fly like that. <laughs> There's no way he's going through that canyon flying that way. Um. But yeah, with practice and models like models obviously hitting like the model of the ship when it crashed the 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 fighter ship when it crashes after it gets the the parachute on it. Oh yeah, it's very obviously a model crashing into a model desert. But the model work was was still really good. The the blowing up of the 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 Capitol building was a model that they blew up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it looks awesome. <laughs> it still looks really good. So. Steve, recommend? Not recommend? I would, yeah, I would recommend it. It's it's a turn your brain off yeah. and have a good time movie. You know, yeah. I re- if if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. It's not going to change your life, but it's a it's no it, 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 it it's got a, a cast of really appealing actors. You know, mm-hmm. I love Jeff Goldblum. I love Will Smith. Mm-hmm. I even kind of like I like Bill Pullman. I mean, I don't think he le- Judd Hirsch. Judd Hirsch. There's no clunkers in here. There are no even even uh, uh, poor old uh, what's his name uh, the singer. Oh, Harry Connick uh, Jr. Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. Who again is given lines that are that he speaks as though they're jokes that aren't jokes, but he's just he's yeah, rolling with it. He's doing the he's best doing he the can. best he can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd recommend it. Yeah, me too. I'm gonna recommend it too. And that's it. So for all you guys who think we hate everything, we don't. <laughs> we like Independence Day. Right, Steve, we did say yeah. that. Right? You know what though? I mean yeah. there, there's see here's the problem with a lot of movie snobs. And it's the problem with with people who are snobs about stuff just in general. You can yeah. you can acknowledge that something has shortcomings and still have a real genuine affection for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can take a movie like Independence Day and, and make fun of it, and then you know analyze it and talk about well, the script was dumb and the characters were dumb and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. But, but but still acknowledge it. Yeah, but when I watch this movie, I feel good. I th- yeah. I think this is an entertaining movie, you know. And there's kind of a tinge of nostalgia when I watch the film, not for the film itself, but for the type of film that it's modeled after. Yeah, which are 1950s 1950s sci-fi movies, yeah. which I which I do love, and I acknowledge the flaws in those films as well. You know, you have the scientist person who inexplicably knows everything almost immediately. <laughs> um, and so it's it's. It's kind of like it's kind of a throwback to that, but they modernized it, and they the characters are a bit more real than the 1950s, and I appreciate it for that. And even they are aware of it because they show little clips of of, of classic, uh, at least one yeah. the, the, the Earth, Earth stood still. Yeah. Um, 
and I and I and I enjoy it on on that level. And you can you know what you can love. We loved our dinner, my dinner with Andre, and we love we like this movie too. Yeah. They're not mutually exclusive. You can. <laughs> yeah. You can like things for different reasons, everybody. And I mean, the, you know, if you don't, if you're not in. If you're not interested in movies because you genuinely love movies, like if all you do is mm-hmm. watch movies and think of all the reasons not to like them, I don't. I mean, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Yeah, you know. Yeah, we don't hate watch a film. No. I never try to sit down and hate watch a no. film. And um, you know, it would be easy to hate watch Independence Day for all for Independence Day for all of its flaws, but it's the flaws that make it fun. Yeah, that make it enjoyable. Um, now, if they were heavy-handed, if they had changed the script enough, or they really expected us to take these characters seriously, I would probably have a much different opinion of this movie. But you're not supposed to. They don't. So why should you? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The the tone and and the approach of the filmmakers is really important. And you and you're yeah. right. You can tell by a bunch of different. <laughs> you know a bunch of different things about this movie the way it's mm-hmm. written the way it's shot the way the characters behave like you you're not supposed to take any of this all that seriously so nope you know you you can watch it and enjoy it for what it is while it's on and then forget about it and move on with your life like that's yeah, exactly. that's what it's designed to be <laughs> yeah so steve do you have a movie that you would like to recommend as well as Independence Day. I do, actually. And it's one of those aforementioned 1950s... You better not steal my Alien Invasion movies. Don't you go, you mother... <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm going to steal yours or not. Um, it's actually... You are. Well, I don't know what yours is, so I don't know. Okay, go for it. Well, it's a movie that I actually reviewed on my... Uh, my own YouTube channel recently. I did I did a series of monster movie reviews for Halloween this year, and one of the I think the first movie I reviewed is the movie that I'm recommending. It's a okay. 1950s alien invasion movie, uh, one of the best of those I think, and it's called mm-hmm. It Came from Outer Space. Oh, thank goodness! Okay, good. And it's uh, directed by Jack Arnold, who is mm-hmm. one of the great unsung heroes of Hollywood films in the 50s. He directed a lot of sort of B-level science fiction horror movies of this type, these creature feature type movies. And yeah. uh, it's it stars Richard Carlson, who... Uh, mm-hmm was also one of those actors who just appears in these movies a lot. I'm a scientist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh and it's just a great movie. It's it's a lot of fun. It's it it's not it's an alien invasion movie, but the aliens' motives are not as simple as either we're coming to kill you or we're coming nope. to save your civilization. Some great philosophical stuff in there. Oh, yeah. And a great script by Ray Bradbury. Yeah. yeah. It's just a really, really great movie. So that's my recommendation. It came from outer space. If you've never seen it or if you like Independence Day and you're looking for a, a similar type of story but told in a very different mm-hmm. way. And it's, it's a great 1950s black and white cheesy, you know, sci-fi movie. That Check it out. It came from outer space. As one of my favorite monologues about a telephone lineman. Yes. Waxing poetic about the things he hears while alone on the line. Yep. That only Ray Bradbury could have written. <laughs> <laughs> or Glenn Campbell. Um, m- yeah. Or Glenn- <laughs> My recommendation is 
also from the 1950s, I believe 1954. It is also an alien invasion movie, but it is an alien invasion movie of the scope that is of Independence Day. In fact, I think it's one of the only other ones that are that is of this scope and level uh, before Independence Day. And that is the George Pal Technicolor classic, War of the Worlds. Oh, yeah. Featuring my favorite scientist of all time, Dr. Clayton Forrester. <laughs> yes, they stole his name for Mystery Science Theater 3000. And also his his uh, red glasses, if you didn't notice. That's a, that's a throwaway on MST3K. That Dr. Clayton Forrester has the same red glasses as Dr. Clayton Forrester <laughs> in War of the Worlds. Um, based on H.G. Wells' uh, novel, which is also one of my favorite novels. Um, unfortunately, this adaptation kind of throws away the philosophy behind the reasons why H.G. Wells wrote the novel, which was about um, British imperialism and the destruction of other cultures, as they specifically what happened to the Tasmanians um, at that time was one of the uh, more pointed things. But uh, spaceships, the destruction, the rout of man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, viruses at the end and hopelessness and a priest gets blown up real good and uh, ooh people get shot with the green laser beam and they turn into skeletons <laughs> I remember when I saw that at 6 I was like I don't want to watch the rest of this movie please because <laughs> that guy just turned into a skeleton and it's scary if you have not seen it please go see it I love this movie deeply um, I'm sure there are hokey bits, um, but uh, it kind of it's kind of a template for other kinds of sci-fi along the way. And um, and as I said before, it was so expensive at the time that not a whole lot of other people, not a whole lot of other movie companies were prepared to lay down that much coin yeah. to do a sci-fi story until George Powell decided to do When Our Worlds Collide. Which is goofy, and I hate that movie. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but War of the Worlds, you know the tripods with the oh, yeah. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. <laughs> Go see it. That's it. All right, we're done. Uh, you guys agree with us with Independence Day? Are you guys like I don't know how you guys are gonna feel about anything anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep them guessing. I tuned in to expect you guys to tear Independence Day apart, then hate it. Nope. Sorry. You can't anticipate us. Never. You, can't, you can never, never tell where ever. we're going. That's you can right. never tell. Uh, remember, if you have a movie that you'd like to recommend for us to see, remember that we do have a criteria that it needs to be at least 10 years old and it needs to be a movie of note. One that is either be, is pop uh, important to pop culture, something that people reference all the time, or is just generally considered a classic, like uh, let's see, Dog Day Afternoon. Hey, there's one. Or um, what's another one? Uh, Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Hey, now these are these are future <laughs> shows right here. That's really not pop culturally or considered a classic, is it? Please tell no, me no. But if we uh, thank if, God. if we want to do one where we would probably uh, hate on the movie the whole time. Yeah, more than likely <laughs> that would be a good one. Uh, Please go to the Let Me Listen podcast website, go to the contact page, and send us an email and let us know uh, some movies that you would like us for us see. We can pick them up, take a look at them, and go, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. If you guys could have thought of a better Thanksgiving movie <laughs> than Independence Day, 
Let us know that too, because I was racking my brains trying to figure out a Thanksgiving Day movie that had Thanksgiving themes, and this is as close as we got. I wasn't going to do... There was no classic film that... Can you even think of one now? A Thanksgiving movie? Yeah. Not really. Planes, Trains, See, and Automobiles, yeah. maybe? <gasps> God damn it. Wait, is that considered a <laughs> I don't know if we call that a classic, one? but it's Thanksgiving, really. I love the yeah. movie, but I don't... Okay, we'll recommend Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> Just pretend we talked about that one. Was he trying to get back for Thanksgiving I, I, or Christmas? I, think, I thought it was Thanksgiving. I don't know. It's been a while it was since I saw it. A it was a holiday. It was one of those late in the year holidays. I don't know. Yeah. So if you're a youngster who have never heard of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, go see it so you can be exposed to the brilliance that is John Candy. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it for uh, both of us this time around uh, for Late Seating. This has been Jason Harding. And go see a movie this week. And this has been Robert Lozier. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Return to your homes. You are supposed to quote the damn movie, dude. <laughs> that is not in the movie. Mr. President, we have to hey. evacuate the White House. I'm sure he probably said that, right? <laughs> you can't make up dialogue. Oh, maybe that's what prevents us from... Well, no, there's one-liners. What about, uh... Now that's what I call a close encounter. Or, welcome to Earth. Or, oh, Um... That's that's. What the hell with my lawyer? Forget, I'll forget <laughs> my lawyer. I've got to call my there mother. There you go. <laughs> he he was he was violated sexually. That's in the movie. <laughs> that's one of the big laugh lines. We'll stick with the Robert Lotion okay. one. I don't I don't want to do that. So until next time, this has been the Lotion Cast. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. <laughs> You're going to say goodbye, dude? Bye. I love you. Wish him a happy hey, Thanksgiving. Hey, hey, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Yeah, unless you don't if celebrate If you don't it. celebrate Thanksgiving, then I don't... What am I supposed to say? Am I supposed to know what holidays... Happy days happy, off. Happy long weekend, everybody. Yeah, unless unless you work in the retail, then yes, sorry. Our condolences. We're so sorry. Yeah. Oh, could you imagine you're a Native American that has to work retail on Thanksgiving? Oh, that's just... Boy. <laughs> Talk about being fucked by life. Oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> All right, we're done. Okay. <laughs> we'll end on that happy yeah. note. Okay. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmylistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Lemmy Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening.